Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 178 of the Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how's it going, bud? I'm good. Hope you are as well. It's funny. The, the intro, uh, somebody commented to me this week. They said they read our stuff, and they either read it in my voice or it's your voice doing the 80-grade co-host thing. So it's, <laughs> it's always funny to... Uh, you know, what people pick up on, but right. And uh, I'm good. Uh, the weather's been kind of gloomy. I'm ready for some warmer spring weather in baseball. I know that. Yeah, man. It's, it's funny too, because with our differing accents, me with the Northeastern accent and you with the, with the Southern accent, but yeah, the uh, weather here ain't too great either after. And I, I apologize to any of my fellow Mainers and New Englanders because I was kind of saying, Oh, we haven't had much snow this year. Then we've gotten two kind of meet, not huge storms, but the what I call medium sized storms between six and twelve inches. We had we had one last uh, Thursday night into Friday, dumped about seven eight inches on us. And then we got one starting in a handful of hours or well, Sunday night, going all the way through Monday evening, will be another seven eight inches or so. So I'm anticipating no school on it for my kids, but uh, yeah, we're kind of trying to get caught up on snow here apparently after not having it much the first couple of months of winter, but definitely echo that sentiment of hope being ready for warmer weather baseball in general you know luckily we got a lot of baseball to talk about here today and if you missed any of our dynasty and prospect rankings episodes go back and check those out those were a lot of fun we went position by position and even broke it up uh, for shortstop outfield and pitcher into separate episodes one for prospects one for dynasties because there were so many players to talk about and our last episode was a fun little breakdown of the recent international signees so Check that out as well. Uh, today, we're going to be diving into an idea that we put out on Twitter the other day about just some former top prospects that have, you know, they've struggled in the major league so far. A lot of fun names had a lot of submissions, uh, nearly 100 people commenting with player names. Uh, so we're going to break down the ones that were commented the most. So thank you to everyone that commented with a, a player you wanted to hear us talk about. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping. 
You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Toolshed Pod. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. And before we get into the show, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up using the promo code Toolshed, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And that can be used for any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB best balls, individual player pickums across all sports, and so much more. Sign up today using the code Toolshed at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P dash the dash Toolshed. All right, let's get into it, Chris. There were, again, a lot of submissions. We'll start with the the three that names that were mentioned the most, and these were the top three by a mile, and I kind of anticipated <laughs> this. Uh, tied for first place with the most uh, times mentioned as a reply to that post were Joe Adele and Jared Kalanick, 17 times mentioned, and then third, Spencer Torkelson mentioned 10 times. So let's start with the three of those. We'll start with Jared Kalanick here. Obviously, my former prospect crush that is really outside of a you know pretty decent September in 2021 has not had the start to the major league career that really anybody thought would happen. Through his first 558 plate appearances across 2021 and 2022, a pretty ridiculously low 168, 251, 338 slash line. You know, that's had 21 home runs and 11 steals during that time frame, but that's not nearly enough to make up for that slash. And, and a lot of metrics are not great, including in the contact and, you know, approach departments there, especially with the, with the K rate being up over 33% last year. I'll start with you, Chris, before I, you know, wax poetically <laughs> or not so poetically about Kelnick. Are you still in, where, where do you see, you know, kind of the profile going from here? Do you think there's any value? Where are you out on Kelnick right now? Uh, I mean, yeah, we should be. I mean, he's still 23 years old. So it seems like there's still plenty of time for him to improve. And I'm not quite willing to say that he's just a quad a player. I mean, he did start the season last year's 22 year old turned 23 mid season. Those are important things to note in my opinion and while his mlb numbers have been you know not great at all we've seen him continue to perform at triple a now you probably are saying that's exactly the definition of a quad a player (laughs) i get it i really do but i do think there's something to be said that there is still upside for him to rebound he's got to be able to hit fastballs like that's really the biggest thing the numbers are poor against breaking and off-speed pitches, but if you can hit a fastball, then ultimately, like he's going to see those numbers come up a good bit. And we're looking at AAA, and he's got a, a near 84% zone contact rate. The EVs are really good, and it shouldn't surprise you because his MLB exit velocities are good as well. Maxed out at, at 114 last year. 86 average is not great, but I still say there's room for growth and there's the power speed intrigue is the biggest thing, but it comes down to, can he hit an MLB fastball? Can he hit a fastball up in the zone? And if he can do that, if he can make those swing adjustments to get to those high fastballs, then I'd say there's a chance for him to succeed. But as it stands, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. And honestly, the Mariners just should, I wish they'd trade him. I wish he'd get a fresh start. Like cinema Cincinnati would be amazing. But right now there is a lot of you know a lot of opportunities and a lot of mouths to feed in uh, Seattle with Julio Rodriguez. Teoscar Hernandez is going to play right field for them. 
you've got AJ Pollock now as well. AJ Pollock may like platoon with him. Yeah, that, that, be, that's the uh, likely scenario, I think. Yeah, even but it so even still, you put Kelnick on the strong side of that, which is encouraging. But there's other guys on the way. I mean, there's I mean they've got talent throughout the system and guys pushing up. I mean, Cade Marlowe has been absolutely stellar in the minors and probably deserves a chance. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just wonder if Kelnick would be better suited with a fresh start somewhere. But I'm not 100% out. I'll buy him on the cheap if I can, but it depends on how cheap. <laughs> so there's a lot of question marks still with him, yeah. and that's that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I, I still think there's definitely the big mental aspect of this. You just knowing, you know, what what I've learned about Kellenick and the type of person he is, and you know, there was a lot of pressure thrust upon him. He was supposed to be like the savior coming right out of the gate. You know, they, I think they batted him lead off his in his debut, I believe. Uh, I can't remember, but maybe in the second game, and he had that home run in the second game, but Vera and Savali. So you know, all the expectations, all the hype, all the pressure was definitely there, and that's a lot for for anybody, no matter how talented you are. Like I said, there's still a solid power speed line here. Like I mentioned, 21 home runs, 11 steals in 558 plate appearances, 13.6% barrel rate last year, and hard hit rate was right around league average or so. So I still think that he can be a, a decent fantasy player. I don't think he's going to be like hugely impactful. I don't, I don't think he's going to be you know jumping back into like top 50, maybe not even top 100 uh, ever, but you know, one profile I was kind of looking at that I think could be a, a decent, you know, comp for Kelnick, maybe something like a, a Ramon Laureano, a guy that's had, you know, decent little power speed blend averages kind of a little bit on the lower side. But I think that might be a, a likely outcome for Kelnick. I hope it's more than that. I think there's upside for more than that. But yeah, like you said, that the fastball, you know, fastballs have been an issue for him, though he did have a good slug against them, 458. Uh, with it with a 263 ISO off of them, only hit 193 breaking balls. He's 056, three for 54, 41.4% whiff rate, off speed 46.3% whiff rate, hit 154 against those. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues to be corrected here, but I still think that he, he could turn into, like I said, kind of like that Raymond Lariano range of player, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but you know, at least there's, there's not the chase rates are fine, just the whiff rates are a bit high, K rates are a bit high. Um, so I, I do think there's a uh, still a decent player in here, but obviously my expectations have been, you know, lessened a good amount over the last couple of years. Next one. Oh, sorry. Do you have something to hop back? No, in? No, I was going to say, I thought the Lariano comp was actually fairly accurate. I think that's the kind of player we could see yeah. with maybe a little more pop and maybe slightly less speed. Uh, yeah. but still, I think that's a useful player in the back end of fantasy draft. So I yeah. actually like that. Yeah, that's something I kind of thought of the other day. And it's actually, look at uh, when you look at Kellnick Savant page, uh, one of the similar players to him with a bad ball profile was 2021 Ramon Lariano, along with 2021 Akil Badu, 2021 Justin Upton. I forgot he was still playing in 2021. Uh, 2021 Sean Murphy and 2022 Patrick Wisdom. That's a uh, nice little hodgepodge bunch of uh, hitters there. But yeah, the one here that had 17 submissions was Joe Adele. Now, with Joe Adele, like, you just look at Adele, and he just—he looks like a superstar. Like he's got the power, he's got the athleticism, he's got the speed, he's got the arm, like all those you know sexy tools, quote unquote, are there. But he's had even more, more issues, you know, making contact and you know keeping his carry in check than even Jared Kelnick has in three seasons with actually a similar number of plate appearances, five hundred and fifty-seven. So how many did Kelnick have? It was. Oh, 558, one play appearance apart, which is funny. 
215, 259, 356 slash went for Joe Adele, 15 home runs and six steals. And, you know, at least kind of got that one month where he was pretty good. Joe Adele, he might have a few games here and there, but has not really had any prolonged period of showing you know, that he could put everything together. K rate last year was 37.5% with only a 3.9% walk rate. That is, that is not good. I bet you if I looked at players with at least his amount of plate appearances, that'd probably be, you know, top five worst K minus walk rates in all of baseball. You know, I just, I love Joe Adele. Like he's, he can hit some tasks. I saw him take batting practice in the AFL uh, before the fall stars game back in 2019. And he put on, it was him and J raw. I put on, two of the best batting practice shows I've seen out in the AFL uh, out there. So I really hope Joe Adele can maybe find a new start somewhere. I think definitely needs a new start. I don't like him, this angels org anymore. It looks like they don't want to play him, give him a fresh start, trade him somewhere, Miami, Kansas city, wherever, because I still think there's a chance of a, a decent power speed blend here, though. I don't see the average ever being anything more than like two thirty or so, unless there's a, a massive improvement in his approach and maybe even a swing change. But that's kind of like my thoughts on Joe Adele right now. I hope he can. Uh, a lot of fun tools there, but I'm, I'm not fully out, but definitely one foot out the door. You know, the interesting thing is he made a swing change down the stretch of the season and he's been working at driveline all off season. And I know that's obviously we think of driveline and we think it just fixes people, but it doesn't necessarily always do that. But it is interesting because um, over the final stretch of the season, he he did make a bit of an adjustment with his stance, and especially pre-swing, he starts with his back elbow a bit higher and his hands lower, and basically creating a new bat path. And you can kind of see that, like if you go on, uh, if you just search Joe Adele Driveline, there's a video, and it, it's just a much cleaner path to the ball, and he's leading with the bottom hand versus the top hand, and I don't know if it'll pay off, but I'm at least monitoring that because something like that does make a bit of a difference. And we don't know if it'll pay off till we actually see it in game. The swing is much simpler. There's much less of a leg kick. Uh, not really a toe tap, but it's it's a, just a small step forward is basically what I would describe it as. And kind of leading with, you know, like I said, he's got his elbow up and letting his hands just drive through the ball. Now, that doesn't fix every problem that Adele has because Adele you know, can't hit off-speed pitches worth a flip. He struggles against fastballs. Surprisingly, last year, his best batting average on pitch type was against breakers. Now, that's uncommon, but like with Kelnick, if we can start hitting these fastballs more often, and maybe with that new bat path, you can actually get to higher fastballs, then it's a real possibility that we can see him at least tick up a bit. Now, I'm not going to go crazy hyping him, whatever it may be, but I am monitoring this because that is is something. And like you said, the tools are kind of through the roof with the power, speed. There's a lot to like here. He's got a big arm. So I'm not willing to write him off yet, but he's a chance to play too. I mean, the Angels don't really seem committed to him. So if that's the case, I wish they would just trade him, get him out of town, let him go somewhere where he can play every day rather than the, I mean, cause they're going to run out Ward trout and uh, Renfro in the outfield and Otani's obviously going to DH. So it's a, it's a weird spot for Dale to be in. Yeah, for sure. And I, I completely forgot about that. He was going to drive line with that too. That that's definitely a good thing to note there. 
but yeah, and even after they traded away Brandon Marsh, like you know, obviously with Renfro there now, Ward, Trout, Otani, and who else did they bring in? Oh, Brett Phillips too. They brought in <laughs> Brett Phillips. Uh, kind of, uh, they signed him uh, earlier in the month of January after he was let go by Baltimore. So. When you're bringing in Brett Phillips, and God love Brett Phillips, you know I think baseball is better with Brett Phillips around. He's just one of those guys, even if he's not that good. But it just shows like if they're bringing in Brett Phillips, they just don't want to play Joe Adele, like, or they just don't feel comfortable, I should say, playing Joe Adele. I'm sure they want to. I'm sure they would love to have Joe Adele work out and you know justify the the high draft pick they use on him and all the all the hype and all the prospect status. But I just don't think he's that. If he's gonna get a shot, if he's gonna make it as a major leaguer. I just don't see it being in Los Angeles. So, yeah, definitely agree that change of scenery is absolutely needed. Now, the last one of the big three here uh, for the submissions for this show was Spencer Torkelson. And, you know, some would send, I did have some comments actually on this post, like, oh, you can't use these guys that have only been up for one year. It's too early. And I, I do agree with that too, uh, to, to some extent. But at the same time, you know, I think it's fair to talk about Torkelson in an episode like this is because he was not very good for the entirety of last year did pick it up a bit down the stretch after his return uh, in early September the you know the average EV barrel rate and all that stuff was pretty solid but overall you're looking at a 203 285 319 slash line and eight home runs and 404 plate appearances you know that spacious comerica you know does not help at all but they're moving the fences in a little bit we'll see how much that does help but at this point, I think it's fair to wonder, you know, is Torque ever going to even, you know, come close to the player that we thought he could be? There was a lot of people that were thinking he could be, you know, damn near Pete Alonzo levels of talent. And I don't see that. Maybe, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a better comp for him. I think maybe best case scenario, he gets to like hey, maybe CJ Crone levels. I think that's fair. Kind of like in that 250, 260 range, 25 or so home runs. Uh, I'm not really seeing much more than that, though, uh, out of Torkelson, you know, Ballpark does not help at all, but I don't know. I, I think he's going to be okay. I just don't think he's going to be a guy that stands out. He's probably more of like a corner infield option long-term in my eyes. Yeah, he's interesting. I don't really fully know what to make of him. It was a weird profile where we saw him kind of steadily trend downward throughout the minor leagues, and that's not normally the case for top prospects, but kind of every level was like we just kind of wrote it off and like, ah, and it's a small sample of struggles, but he continued to kind of struggle. And I don't know. I do think that there is some bounce back. He he finished the season kind of strong, at least, you know, not from a pure like number standpoint. I mean, he he slashed just 219, 292, 385 over the final month, but he cut the K rate significantly, cut the chase rate. The average EV was 93 miles an hour. The bill rate was over 12% and over 50% hard hit rate. Over those Lat, over that month, only nine hitters had an average EV higher than Torque. So and I still think there's some intrigue there. Maybe the the fences change that a bit. Now you're gonna see. I mean, Comerica is an awful place to hit. I, I literally like uh polo grounds like light is what I've comped it to, just the way <laughs> it shuts out. Anyway, I want to go to a game. I wish I could have gone to a game at polo grounds. Like that would have been awesome to see. But beside the point, like the the fence is more hitter friendly now. We're not completely sure how it's going to play, but I do think that there will be some you know power improvement for him and even uh, probably Riley Green as well. Because just kind of looking at it, there's a few balls that went to center that I think probably would have been out if 
you know, the fences we're in to where they will be next year. But again, Torek just has to make more consistent contact. And if he does, then I think he'll be all right. So, you know, there are still questions. The good thing is he hits fastballs fine. He only had a 18.5% whiff rate against him last year. As if with Joe Adele, he had a 35% whiff rate against fastballs. So major difference there. But I will say I think Torque probably has the higher floor of those three, and I trust him the most to bounce back because he's not a chase-happy type hitter. He does. I mean, he whiffs probably a little too much last year, but we did see it improve down the stretch. And even still, he was like middle of the pack of MLB hitters from a, a chase rate or from a whiff rate perspective. So those things are worth noting that I think Torque is the higher floor and the best chance to be a consistent contributor over the likes of Kelnick and Adele. Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's, I don't think even think it's close in terms of floor. I think upside, you could, you know, have make an argument either way for any of the three, really. But in terms of floor, I think it's absolutely have to go torque there. All right. Next grouping of players here that uh, all had four or more submissions to that tweet were Alex Kirilov, Josh Lowe, and Joey Bart. Oddly enough, I don't think he, he'd get that much love in this poll or this uh, tweet. But let's start, let's start with Kirilov, though. He's one I've always liked Kirilov, you know, a good amount here. You know, he's proven to be a high average type of guy throughout his minor league career with, you know, decent but not great power. And I, I still think that player's in there. You know, you, you've seen him run hard hit rates right around 45% each of his two years. K rates have been right around 23%. Didn't walk much at all. Never really has been a big walk rate guy. So I think it'll always be a, a tad more valuable in average formats than OBP. But it's all about. You know, the two big things right now are health, you know, mainly with that wrist. He has multiple wrist hand injuries, which obviously is not good. And the ground ball rate, you know, which was already high in 2021, around 49%, jumped to 55.5% last year. So those two things need to be corrected. Maybe they go hand in hand a little bit, but I'm still in on Karloff. And I think he's one of the, the better buy lows for Dynasty Leagues right now, regardless of position. Yeah, I am uh, definitely on board with that. I think that a, a lot of what took place that we've seen in the majors from Kirloff has stemmed from injury. Now, it's a pretty serious injury, obviously, as its you know wrist is kind of lingered around. But if he can push past that, which I think he, I think he's past that, then I think he's going to be a major, major contributor. And the trade that the Twins made certainly kind of solidifies that they're yeah. confident in Kirilov and even Nick Gordon. Getting rid of Luis Arias, I think, says that, that, hey, um, we're, we're confident that these two are going to be in the lineup every single day. So I go back to the fact that I think Kirilov can be a, a plus hitter with plus power, and my stance really hasn't changed on that. I mean, there's easy power in the game, and the wrist is fully healthy, so I'm I'm in. I mean, I'm completely ready to buy into Alex Kirilov, and I think it's a good time to buy low on him right now. Yeah, no, he's definitely still a very, very good pure hitter. Like, this guy could hit, th- has some 300 seasons. Like, he's that good of a pure hitter. Uh, I don't think he'll ever get to, like, 30 home runs, but, you know, low to mid-20s, I think, is very possible. I, I think I made this comp before, but he reminds me a good amount of, like, a Brian Reynolds type of player. So I think that's definitely... A, a realistic outcome for Kirilov. So definitely buy low on him right now. Josh Lowe, obviously a, a very different type of player, but another one that I've always you know been a pretty solid fan of, had good power speed in the minor leagues, power ticked up later on uh, in his minor league career in, in the upper levels. 
But, you know, last year he had two at-bats in 2021 and then 198 last year. So 200 plate appearances on the dot, 225, 291, 346 slash, only two home runs and four steals. And you haven't really seen that power kind of come through. You know, 37.1 hard hit rates are right, but the 5.2% barrel is a bit low. But sprint speed's been 87th percentile. That speed is still there. But as was the case in the minor leagues, he strikes out too much. So, you know, you still have confidence in Josh Lowe come, becoming at least a, you know, maybe similar to Kelnick, a guy that maybe doesn't stand out as much as we thought he would, but still has that power speed blend to kind of be a decent, you know, back end asset, even given the lower average. Yeah. I mean, the major concern with him is the fact that he can't hit fastballs well at all, especially fastballs up. And that's just a major thing for professionals and you know, major league pitchers are going to exploit that and just constantly just blast you with those. I mean, his whiff rate was 37% against fastballs last year. That's obviously far from ideal. And I think he's getting exploited. The power and speed is really good. And those both things are still there with Josh Lowe, but you can't hit a fastball. I'm not sure it matters too much. The zone contact, terrible. Even the minors last year, it was absolutely horrific. He was sub 70% on the zone contact in the minors throughout last season. And that gives me like major pause and someone that really is not going to be able to tap into those tools they have when they just can't make that consistent contact. I don't know. I don't know who he is because, I mean, I've always thought he was probably a below average hitter. And now I wonder if he's like a, a 30 grade hitter, like is bad or worse than, than Joe Adele. And I mean, Adele's just got more tools than, than Josh Lowe and Adele actually makes better, con- much better contact. I mean, look at what they did in AAA last year and Joe Adele had about 10% higher zone contact rate that says a lot, I think. So the the jury's kind of gotten out on him that he just struggles really bad with um, fastballs, and he gets exploited with it. He's, despite that, as I tell you that he what he did last year in AAA, he still hit three fifteen. So it's just shows you the difference in talent level. I think between AAA and the majors, the fact that you can post contact rates that bad, and that you can still slash three four five. I mean three fifteen four zero two five fifty six is nine fifty eight. OPS with that kind of contact, it's weird. He's a, a really weird profile. Man, if if it's like the biggest of biggest buy lows, I'd probably take a chance because plus power, plus speed is is there in my opinion. But until the contact actually gets there, then I'm not sure he ever taps into it. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Like the power speed is always going to be there, but with Tampa, if he doesn't start hitting. You know, how long is he going to be able to be given a chance to be an everyday player or close to it? Because obviously they have a lot of other options, they have a lot of flexibility. So I think this could be a chance, uh, a situation where he falls out of favor fairly quickly just because, you know, he is not able to hit for average. And I know they, you know, obviously value that. And it doesn't matter how good the power speed is. Luckily, his defense is still, you know, pretty solid as well. So that helps give him. I guess a slightly longer leash, but you know, I just don't see it happening. Uh, he's, he, I think this year's gonna be huge. If he doesn't kind of show any type of improvement this year, I think he's one of those guys that just kind of falls by the wayside and disappears, kind of at least from our, our fantasy circle, unfortunately. And uh, it sucks because I've always liked Josh Lowe, but 
it's uh i'm definitely i'm more out than in i still like him but i just there's a lot working against him right now for sure uh last one here of this trio joey bart who has had a very i don't know very kind of odd major league career so far in 408 plate appearances 222 294 351 slash with 11 home runs and 33 rbi you know I think he's going to be given a chance to be, you know, have some run at the catcher spot this year. But at the same time, I I was never a huge Bart guy. I, I you know ranked him decently enough, but never really went all in on Bart. You know, he's always had a lower walk rate, solid enough power, but I just wonder if he's at. Hey, MIAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MIAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MIAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? always to be like this low average, you know, sub 230, sub 300, you know, average and OBP type with maybe 20 home runs over a full year. So what's that like? Poor man is a Cal Raleigh with less power kind of kind of. So I guess in, in two catcher formats, I still have some, some intrigue, but I don't know for standard, you know, one catcher, 12, 15 team leagues that a lot of people play in these days. I don't see ever being a guy that breaks into kind of like that, realm where you're drafting him as a starter maybe he's a back-end backup but that's about it I, I don't have a lot of high hopes for joey bart right now i mean either it's uh i was never high on him as a prospect to be honest like i was probably one of the lower ones for a while and the, the situation's weird with san francisco right now so he's probably going to get run right now they're only two catchers on the 40 man are him and blake sable so it seems like Bart will get a look. Now, he hits the ball hard. Does he hit it consistent enough to actually like make an impact? Uh, I'm not sure. And that's, I think, probably the biggest concern with Bart is, again, like what kind of numbers does he actually produce despite having the ability to get to that power? Now, he hit 11 home runs and 291 plate appearances last year, but it came with a 215 batting average, a sub 300 OBP. And a 364 slugs, so just not ideal by any means at all. And he's, you know, he can get happy chasing, doesn't make great contact in the zone. Just to kind of across the board, like he's almost a bit passive. Like he doesn't swing much at the first pitch. And I think that hurts him a bit because he just kind of sits back and waits and he gets behind and counts because his first first pitch strike rate is much higher than his first pitch swing percentage. So you'd obviously like to see that a bit more, and his whip percentage is, is very high. So I think Joey Bart's kind of like empty power, like you said, maybe worse Kyle Raleigh. Yeah, I, I think that's – I think we're both in that kind of that same line of thinking there. Yeah, I never was a huge Bart guy. I don't like you know these low walk types. It, it leaves little room for errors. If you need to have the contact skills there to kind of make it as a low walk guy, and his contact skills are just not really there. So like I said, solid power but it's really about it at this point. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, get a word from our sponsor. We will be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. I also want to highlight that they just launched a new product that I actually just got in the mail this weekend and I used, 
And actually, if you're seeing the video of this, you'd see that I trim my beard a little short on accident because Manscaped recently launched their new beard hedger. This thing's awesome, by the way. And if you've never tried a Manscaped product, I'd highly recommend you trying this because I've looked for a good beard trimmer for a long time. And honestly, this one is really a game changer. So this thing is extremely powerful. It's got a you know, over an hour runtime battery. You can do 20 different lengths, and you can select that with a, this zoom wheel that's on the trimmer itself. You literally just turn this knob and you know, adjust the length for the trim. And I was a little off on mine, and my beard was thicker, and now it's kind of short, and I'm kind of regretting it a bit. But it works well, I can tell you that. So I'm just saying, like, off-key of the normal ad read that the Manscaped Beard Hedger is legit, and it's something that you should 100% look into. Because if you use our code TOOLSHED, you'll get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping. That means anywhere. So well worth the investment. If you have a beard like Eric and I do, I'm telling you, you should invest in this product. Use our code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping. All right, welcome back from the break. All right, Babyface Clegg, let's get back into it here. With uh, We had a bunch more fun names on the list here. Uh, these are all names that are mentioned at least three times uh, as I'm kind of can't find my other. Oh, there There's the list wrong tab. So these next ones are all mentioned three times. Dylan Carlson, Jose Barrero, Mickey Moniak, CJ Abrams, Carter Keboom, and Jerickson Profar was mentioned a few times, even though isn't Profar like pushing 30 <laughs> at this point? Or yeah, am I, I think way so. off on that? No, I, I think mean, you're right. He's. I'm going to guess like 28. Let's see how close I am. 29. <laughs> 29. Okay. Yeah. So he's, I don't think we're going too far into Profar. I think at this point, he said over 3,000 plate appearances across parts of nine seasons. I think this is what he is at this point. If you're still expecting more, then I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to ever come. He's kind of just like low end, back end, deep league option. Um, I, that's basically it with, with Jerks and Profar. But there were a bunch of fun names in this list. I wanted to start with cj abrams i think he's still got the most allure to him and he obviously i think it might have the least amount of now barrero's got uh, fewer but one of the more you know newer players on this list only 302 point appearances this past season slash 246 283 24 two home runs seven steals you know regardless of where you look there's still a lot of people that are high on cj abrams and i'm not saying i'm out on abrams but I just really, really question where does the power get to at this point? And we, and we mentioned this a little bit in our, I think in our shortstop dynasty rankings episode, I want to say. But, you know, the max EV was, you know, okay. It was 109.6, which is like right around kind of middle of the pack. But 2.1% barrel rate, 30%, 30. Excuse me, percent hard hit rate. Only walked 1.7% of the time. Again, super early, super small sample size. But... If, he, if he's not going to have that power come along and get at least in the double digits, you know, what are we looking at here? I, I just don't see, I, I can see him being maybe like a decent middle infield option. Like I posted my top 20 shortstop dynasty rankings and he was not in it. Uh, I don't think he's in the, in that range as of yet, especially with all the great names where like number 20 was Carlos Correa. Just put the, you know, give you an estimate of where, you know, that, that list went to overall, obviously speed is, elite with abrams always has been always will be but i just have questions as to where does the bag get to does he get on base enough to really utilize that speed fully so i'm kind of i have mixed feelings on cj abrams right now 
I think that's fair. I mean, I would say the the bag's still out on what you're actually going to get out of him. I think you can kind of lean on the fact that he's got good speed. Like, I'm not sure there's any denying that. And we've talked kind of extensively. I think we talked about him a good bit in that episode, as you mentioned. But I think that he was rushed. He was traded a- across the country to you know, one of the biggest deals that we've seen in a long time. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him. But I we need to see some performance from Ab- Abrams at some point. Less whiffs, more contact. That was kind of his game, like speed and contact, and, and the power would come along because there's kind of a projectable frame still at 6'2", 185. So if Abrams can you know, iron some of those things out, then it's highly likely that he could develop into a really useful fantasy asset. And it wouldn't surprise me. I think there's 30 still upside if he can get on base enough. Agreed. I think there's potential 280 type batting averages if he can hit breaking balls that's the question like can he hit breaking balls and he hits the ball on the ground too much so there are a lot of things that need to go right for abrams to actually hit the ceiling but i think that he could be a 15 home run 30 steal bat if all pans out right which is extremely useful for fantasy i'm not counting on that i don't think that's the expectation I'm curious, like what projections actually have for him this year, because he should, he should definitely uh, be playing regularly, kind of all over the board, which doesn't surprise you out of a you know, second-year player. But uh, Steamer seems to be the most aggressive on him: 11 home runs, 17 steals, 266 average. The bats lower end on him: 246, seven home runs, 14 steals. So I don't know. We you know it'll be curious what we get out of him. Yeah, like I said, I'm not fully out, and I still think there's a decent fantasy asset here. I just, is it more like, I don't know, Tommy Edmund Light? Is that kind of where he's going to be at? I think that might be realistic, but I I, I want to see the power come along. And like I said, the projection is still there, but he hasn't really added a lot to that. That frame was pretty close to what it was is now a couple of years ago, so he hasn't really added a lot to that frame. wonder at this point if he ever does. Uh, but, you know, he's still 22, still very young. I think he's a decent buy low. I just, I'm just not quite as high as I used to be. I said a lot of questions about the the power, like I mentioned, that he has not answered over the last couple of years. Has not really taken any steps forward with that power, unfortunately. Uh, the other, the other big name here that I wanted to get into was Dylan Carlson, and this is a guy that I was, you know, obviously I moved him up when he had that big year in AAA, which I believe was 2019, and he moved up into a lot of people's top tens. I was always a little bit lower. Uh, on Carlson and I just he keeps falling further and further down my rankings to the point where he might be out of a starting job pretty damn soon yeah his defense helps but you know right now they also have Tyler O'Neill Lars Newtbar Juan Yepes who is probably more of a DH but he can play some outfield as well you got Alec Burleson and then you got this uh this fellow by the name of Jordan Walker charging very very hard towards a major league spot and when he's ready he will get a spot whether it's center or a corner so i think he's got i don't think walker's up opening day but he's gonna be up by the all-star break more than likely unless something goes terribly wrong let's hope not so i think at that point if walker when he debuts and carlson is kind of still doing the same thing he's been doing i think that's the point where he loses that starting spot so he's one where I think there's still, if given the opportunity, like he's been a 
low end asset, but I'm not expecting anything more than that. And I think there's a better chance that he falls off the table completely and is more of a bench guy moving forward. It's possible. I mean, we've seen some pretty significant struggles out of him and just not turning into the player that we thought he could be. And I wonder if we just went too high on him after uh, really one good season in 2021. He was really good. No, sorry, not 2021. In 2019 when he was in the minors and dominated. And he had a good season in 2021 in the majors, but kind of taking a step back since then. But that that year in the minors when he was between double and triple A, we saw him hit 26 home runs and steal 20 bases. And you know, 281 average in double A, and that jumped to 361 in triple A. I think everybody got really hyped for him. And then it just kind of came crashing down a bit. It's interesting because he made good contact last year, solid zone contact, decent contact overall. So I don't know. It's a weird profile of what to make of it. His BABIP was kind of low last year, so maybe that sees a tick up. But again, overall, he's hitting the less line drive, so that naturally is going to you know, drive your BABIP down when you're not hitting the line drives and also is going to drive the home run total down, which we've seen. In 2021, we saw 18 home runs, just eight from him last year. The hard hit numbers are not good. The EVs are not good. Decent plate skills. He doesn't chase that often, but I don't know. I think what he does have going for him is he's a decent glove, decent arm, probably I'd say decent. He's above average in the outfield and got a solid arm to go with it. This is probably his saving grace for the time being, but we do need to see something out of the bat. And if we don't, then I think you're right. I think he's probably out of a spot. I want to ask a few of the uh, Cardinals fans that I know, like Mike, Matt Thompson specifically. You know, what are the, what are their thoughts on on Carlson? Yeah. Like, how, how do how does Cardinals Nation feel about him? And not just from fantasy perspective, just in general. I wonder if if any of them still kind of believe he's a, a long term starter and you know a, a building piece or a core player for this team moving forward. That'd be that'd be interesting to see, but. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not in on on Carlson at all right now. I, I don't think that's me not saying that he's gonna be bad or you know not usable, but I just see him falling out of favor there, especially with Jordan Walker. Like I said, charging pretty damn hard uh, towards the starting in that outfield. All right, three other names here. Uh, let's kind of clump them together. They are Carter Keyboom, Mickey Moniak, and Jose Barrero. Any of those three kind of stand out to you, Chris? That you're kind of still in on or willing to buy low on? Or are you out on all three? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much out on all three though. Barrero could be interesting just because of the you know, situation in Cincinnati where he could get a chance. But again, I just, I'm not sure his plate approach warrants him getting regular time. I mean, the contact skills are horrific and the chase rate is even more horrific. So outside of those facts, I mean, he even struggled mightily at triple a last year so Barrera would be the only one because of playing time but he's just not gonna perform even with playing time right and then yeah maybe he gets some time in the short term but long term like we talked about in our prospect episodes like Cincinnati has a lot of guys coming up that'll be here probably more so 2024 especially on the left side of the infield so yeah he needs to he doesn't have that long of a leash here to even if, if he even does get a chance this year we'll see but yeah, I, I'm out on him. I was never in on Mickey Moniak. I saw him having double A uh, several times back in, well, I don't know what year that was, 20, what year was he drafted? 20, like 17, 18. It's probably like 2019, if I had to guess. And he just screamed fourth outfielder to me. 
and he still really does. So unless you're in a super deep dynasty league, I don't see any value there. And Keyboom just hasn't. First off, he's been injured forever. When's the last time Keyboom even played? Uh, I just don't. Let's see. Let me see. Pull up Keyboom here. I don't think he did. He played even at all last year. I have no idea. Let's see. I don't think he did. I think he missed the entire year, if I recall. Yeah, he did. Uh, overall, we're looking at a 197, 304, 285. OBP higher than a slug for his career. That power just has not been there. He's a career 3.2% barrel rate across 247 batted balls and 32.8% hard hit rate. You know, the approach hasn't been terrible. He's actually trimmed the K rate uh, from 37.2% in his rookie year, which was only in only had 168 pitches seen, but 24.9% K rate in 2021, 10% walk rate. So maybe he could still be something. I just, the power has not been there. Power, I think, might have regressed a bit. So, yeah, I'm not really in on any of these guys anymore, to be honest. All right. Last set of players here. These are all guys that had two submissions. Riley Green, who I don't think deserves to be on this list quite yet. Gavin Lux, we talked about him recently, too. Like I think he just is what he is at this point. Uh, so many other names here. Victor Robles, Nick Prado, Esteban Florial, Vidal Brujan, Kesson Huria, Jaron Duran, Jesus Sanchez, Leody Tavares, Taylor Trammell, Luis Campuzano, Alec Thomas, and which I think is a little early for Alec Thomas to be in this list as well, uh, and Nick Senzel. You know, out of the, all these dozen or so names here, Chris, is there one name for you that sticks out more than the rest where you're like, yeah, damn, I'm still in on that guy. He's a great buy low right now. Uh, I do think that Riley Green's probably worth discussing. Well, despite his flaws, I still think there's some intriguing aspects of his game. He does strike out too much, and he hits the ball on the ground too much, and that's always been a thing. Those should have been warning signs even in the minor leagues. But I do think he'll be helped out by this you know, change in fence for Detroit. So I think we could see Riley Green you know, at some points of his career probably be like a – 25 home run type like he's not willing to go beyond that i don't think but i would say he could be a 25 home run bat and then he could chip in a few steals as well which does make him a bit intriguing but i'm not expecting like big batting averages from him maybe he's a 260 270 type hitter long term but i'm not like until he fixes his swing a bit and hits the ball on the ground less then i'm not going to really go much higher on the batting average so green's an interesting buy i think some of these other names are just hard, man, to, to read. And like, dang, what happened? Right. Gavin Lux is still serviceable. I think that he kind of is what he is. Like, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a, a massive breakout. But I think Gavin Lux is a solid fantasy contributor that probably doesn't get enough love. And I guess if there's one other for me, it's probably Alec Thomas. I think it's probably too soon to kind of write him off. I agree. But I, yep. I think there's intriguing blend. Not a ton of power speed, but enough power speed to, to provide some fantasy value. Yeah, with uh, with Green, I'll, I'll even go back to Torque a little bit here as well. This is why, like, their struggles that I saw when they're coming up through, especially in the upper levels, that's the reason why I ranked them a bit lower. Yeah, I still rank them very high. You kind of had to, but that's why like, I was probably, you know, three, four spots lower. Green was mostly top five. A lot of people I have probably had them like six, seven, eight. And then same thing with Torque, because people had them top 10. I had them like 12, 13, 14, which again, still high, but I just kind of, you know, there were some red flags, maybe not red flags, you know, pink flags. I don't know. Less red <laughs> flags. Uh, that was like, all right, maybe these guys aren't going to be fully what we think they're going to be. And that's, you know, that, that can be said about a lot of these prospects. Obviously the hit rate is obviously not high. It's, that's why baseball is 
the beautiful sport that it is and one of the most difficult sports in the world to play and to be good at. Well, which was one of the reasons why I love it. But yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not out on green by any means. I tweeted about him several days back and I think people took that as me being out on him. I'm not, I think there's still a decent player here, a top 100 player, you know, kind of like that 75 to hundred range. I just don't think he's ever going to be a guy that like breaks into, you know, my top 10 dynasty outfield rankings or anything like that. I think there's, you know, 20, low twenties home runs, potentially maybe a you know, handful of steals uh, to go along with that. And you know, decent enough average in OBP. So again, I think that's a solid back end top 100 profile overall for dynasty, but just don't see him jumping up a lot higher than that. Maybe probably not even top 50. I think that 60 to 75 range is probably high end for him. And, you know, I think more so back end top 100, but few of the other kind of fun names here. The one name I'm I'm really intrigued by right now as I pulled up the wrong page here. I don't want Jesus Lazardo. I want Jesus Sanchez. Obviously, with Sanchez, the power is very impactful. So, I mean, he had 13 home runs, uh, 403 slug, which is not that great. But the raw power is definitely there for Sanchez. He had a 96 percentile max EV. 40.5% hard hit rate, 9.9% barrel rate, 89.5 average exit velo. It's just, there's too much swing and miss to his game, though he did trim that a bit last year as well, which is definitely encouraging. Can't hit lefties a lick right now, which is another issue. Uh, he's actually one of the, I think he might have been the worst left-handed batter against left-handed pitchers last year. I had to go back and check. If not the worst, one of the worst. Though I do wonder if the new shift rules kind of help him a bit. Mm-hmm. Shifted against 50% of the time. Woba, no shift, 326. Woba against shift, 269. So we'll see if that does help a little bit. But he's got to learn how to hit lefties first off. Continue to make some strides with the cape. But the power is there. Where I think he could be maybe an Anthony Sandair type. Maybe a little less average than Santander. But some guy that's probably 240, 250 with the potential to hit 25, 30 home runs. So he's one. Uh, I'd like to bounce back a bit here in 2023 and beyond. So I definitely one of my favorite by lows from this list. What, what do, you, do you have any thoughts on Jesus Sanchez, Chris? Yeah. I mean, he's interesting if he has a spot and I'm concerned with the move of jazz to center field, like just where does he play? Right. That's really, I guess the biggest question, but I do think there is still plenty of potential in that profile for him. So if jazz is in center and just, I guess Brian De La Cruz to left and they've got to play Abby Garcia in right. And they have also have Solaire. So, there's just no room for him, unfortunately. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, just beat out Brian De La Cruz or even, you know, Avisel Garcia. I know they're paying Avisel Garcia, so you want to play him and get something out of him. But still, he's just I don't know. He's he's not good. Even though he signed through 2025, it's like it if we see what we saw out of him last year, like there's no way you can continue to trot him out there, even though you're paying him you know, nearly 14 million a year. So I like Sanchez's skills. Just need to see him play regularly. Yeah, no, that's fair. But at least what he has going in his favor is that uh, everybody, except for Jazz, the other names you mentioned in the outfield, they're all righties. He's a lefty, so I guess that could help him get you know a tough righty. They can throw him in there, you know, give you know De La Cruz a day off or Soler or whoever. So maybe he could be like a you know get enough plate appearances between the the two corners and DH against righties that still have you know. 400 plus plate appearances this year. It's worth, you know, Steamer has about 245. So the the PA projections are not favorable right now for Sanchez, but I think he could definitely get higher than that. 
says that I think he'll play more often than I think a lot of these projected systems have him. But he's definitely this with that power. He was one that I, I definitely still have some intrigue in. You know, I want to still be in. I guess he had the two fun names on this list, Jaron Duran and Vidal Brujan. I still want to be in on those two. But as a Red Sox fan, as seen Jaron Duran, there's a lot to work on. Yeah, he's he's a very strong player, but it was too much bulk added, I think, where it came at the expense of his average. Like when I saw him, uh, the year he got to double A, which I think was 2019, I uh, started off the year really hot and high A, hitting over 300, and then, you know, kind of struggled a bit here. But he was more of a, you know, gap to gap, line drive, doubles type, utilize the speed, you know, decent contact skills. And I said, again, you know, 25 type of steel guy. And then it kind of morphed over, you know, the 2020 layoff, you know, working at the alt site, he had a lot of power. There was a lot of positive reports out of the alt site in 2020 about, you know, the power he was showing and how all the long drives he was having and batting practice or sim games. So I think that added and kind of fueled a lot of the hype around him going into 2021. And it just wasn't a good kind of switch for him. I think he needs to find that nice middle ground. I think he's still struggling to find where he can hit for you know a decent enough average and still have you know decent but not great power. If he can just be like a 260, 15 homer type with 15 steals, so I still think there's a chance he's a you know maybe a decent outfield four, outfield five type at best. But he's another one that I think he's going to start showing something pretty quickly. He's had an opportunity this year. He should get some run uh, in that in that outfield just out of out of need for Boston, but. I think this is going to be a year where he's another one that'll either, all right, this guy's going to be something or he's going to fall off entirely and kind of, again, fall off our radar in fantasy. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. So it's a kind of make or break there. So see which one we'll get, I guess. Yeah. These other guys, you know, Leary Tavares, I, I think he's a fourth outfielder. Same with Trammell. He's so buried on the depth chart. Capizano, I think still could be something, but I don't know. San Diego hasn't wanted to play Campuzano, so it's kind of one where you got you got to kind of got to wonder what they see that they haven't been willing to commit to him at this point. Nick Prado, I think Vinny P just is flat out way better overall. Obviously, Prado's got a good glove, so I think he'll be you know me a back you know guy that sub is a uh, backup first and gets a little run at DH as well. But all these other guys, I don't really have any intrigue on any of these other names here, Chris. That you. Are looking to buy low on maybe or no? Uh, not in particular, honestly. I mean, uh, prospect wise, I still think Brennan Davis is probably a decent buy. He's down there with a single submission. I just think that with injuries, I think he's a potential solid bounce back this year. So he could be pretty affordable in a dynasty league. But and some of these other names is kind of like, eh, I don't really just see much intrigue from most of these guys. And I don't think their teams do either when you kind of think about how the depth charts are situated and that that's normally the kind of telling thing there. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch how these teams, you know, their willingness or unwillingness to play a lot of these guys. Some other names that had one submission, you know, Chris mentioned Brennan Davis, Brendan Rogers. I mean, I've mentioned before, he is what he is at this point. Uh, Willie Calhoun. I have no desire for Willie Calhoun. He was a fun player while he was a prospect, but he just hasn't worked out. Nolan Gorman, I've mentioned him several times. I think he's going to fall out of favor and be more of a platoon guy. Trevor Larnick, again, so many options in, in Minnesota. I think he falls out of favor. Ezekiel Duran, I still think is good enough all around to be a major league regular. Daz Cameron, I think the ship has sailed. Yoan Moncada, I don't even know with Moncada anymore. 
Nick Solak, Austin Martin, JJ Blade, Hashan Kim, Bobby Dahlbeck, Kevin Biggio, and Jeter Downs, some of the other names mentioned. But that was a lot of fun. Obviously, we only got to the hitters in this episode. We'll do pitchers next episode later in this week. There's a lot of submissions there as well. So we figured we'd break it up into two episodes, but that will wrap us up today. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Rotoclegg. I'm at Eric Ross04. Our show is at Toolshed Pod. Make sure to check out all of our written work over on my Patreon, Chris's Substack, and all the other places that we do write. And we'll see you again next time for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.